Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. Have you noticed a theme this morning so far from Rick Pino's opening video? singing about Holy Spirit being poured out, being poured out. And let your sons and daughters prophesy to that song about Lazarus and Silas and Paul and our praise breaking down prison walls. Jesus, you can have it all when you pour your spirit out. And then just singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. As I said, this is Pentecost Sunday. The title of this morning's message is, I Will Pour Out My Spirit. And look at a passage in Acts chapter 2 and a couple verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So, Father, mm, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way with us. Sweep across this room with a fresh wind, a fresh fire. Revival is in the air, and we need to hear from heaven this morning. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Now, in in the first chapter of the book of Acts, the resurrected Jesus was getting ready to ascend back to heaven to be reunited with his Father. He gave his disciples some final instructions. Tell them, go back to Jerusalem and wait. Wait. Wait to one of them four-letter words we, we don't like. Waiting is hard. Our culture has us on high-speed everything, instant this, instant that. And our culture would have us believe that waiting is, is non-productive time. It's wasting time. We should be accomplishing something, not just waiting. But it's amazing what you can accomplish while you're waiting. Whether you're waiting on an appointment whether you're waiting on God. Because see, people who are impatient don't like to wait. They don't like to wait for people. They don't even like to wait for God to move in their lives. We, we saw that on Mother's Day and briefly touched on it last week, how Abraham's wife Sarah got impatient, waiting on God to give her and Abraham a son, the promised son Isaac. So she took matters into her own hands. And we saw all the complications that arose from that because she was impatient. She didn't want to wait. So let's learn from her mistake. Remember, patience is a virtue. You've heard that before, but it's also fruit. It's part of fruit of the spirit listed in Galatians 5, 22. And if Jesus tells us to wait, man, we better listen. He knows what's best for us. And like it or not, His timing is perfect. I know we struggle with that. I sure do. But it's true. So Jesus instructs his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the gift the Father has promised. He said, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, guys, man, in just a few more days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the disciples wondered if this was going to be 
the time when Jesus was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And he said, don't, don't worry about that stuff. You guys don't have to worry about that. Just pay attention to what I'm telling you, okay? And he told them, you don't need to know the times and the dates the Father has set for that. He'll take care of all that. But as for you guys, you're going to receive power. And that word power comes from the Greek word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. He says, you're going to receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you, and, and then, then you'll be fully empowered. You'll be fully equipped. Then you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, in Cleveland, in Calhoun, in Charleston, in Decatur, in Riceville, and even in Lamontville. To the ends of the earth, Jesus told them. Some might think Lamontville is the ends of the earth. I'm not even sure you can get there from here. But Jesus promised them if they waited they'd receive that that dynamite tannerite power of holy spirit but it would be in god's timing not theirs because he knew if they went out and tried to do this on their own their own strength they would have screwed it up he said no no you, you guys need to wait you need to wait for the power and then you can go and do it and I'm sure the first night they thought, well, when's it coming? When's it coming? Second night, well, nothing's happened. Maybe we're going to do something. No, he said, wait. He said, wait. Now, we've got to remember, Jews from all over were coming to Jerusalem to observe and celebrate the Feast of Weeks. This was a, like a first fruits festival, giving thanks to God for the harvest, even though it wasn't fully ready yet. And it said they were coming from every nation under heaven. This festival is also called Shavuot, and it's also called Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. And this festival took place 50 days after the Passover celebration. So the city of Jerusalem is filled, filled with Jewish people from all over, from every nation under heaven. See how perfect God's timing is? How he arranged all this when there'd be all these people from all these different areas in one place at one time. And yet we think he's taken too long. When are we going to learn that he knows what he's doing, right? And sure enough, while the disciples were waiting, praying, in the upper room when the day of Pentecost came, something happened. Something happened. It was a whole lot more than I think they bargained for. The Bible says a sound. Now, it doesn't say a violent wind, but it says a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house. That must have been quite a sound coming from heaven. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. And all of them, the Bible says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, some translations say other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now let me say something. I believe wholeheartedly that all the gifts of the Spirit are alive and well for the church today. And, and my prayer is there's more and more of them active here. Prophecy, words of knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues, healings, miracles, all of it. But unless I'm wrong, I believe what was happening on that day of Pentecost was the disciples were given a supernatural ability to declare the wonders of God in a variety of foreign languages or foreign tongues. I told you a story before. There was a guy I knew. He went to Lee University. He was on a mission trip somewhere in the deep jungles of Ecuador. He didn't know the dialect. They, they had an interpreter go with him. And when they crossed in, they, they, they flew into a city, and then they took a bus, and then they ended up on four-wheel drive places again. They were in a remote part, and they were going to do worship uh, in this jungle area. 
And when he crossed into that region, he knew and understood the language being spoken there. The guy said, gee, I didn't know you know how to speak whatever the dialect was. He goes, I don't. But I can understand what they're all saying. We don't need the interpreter. He was speaking fluently for two weeks. I know this guy. He, he worked with us for a while at this frame shop. And I'm, I'm listening to his story, and the other guy's backing up. And I knew the other guy. I knew the other guy wouldn't make it up. He goes, no, man, it's true. I was there. I was there. So for two weeks, this guy spoke fluently this language, this local dialect. And then when they left and said their goodbyes and prayed, I mean, he was able to share the gospel with these people in a way they could understand it. And they crossed back over that border. He couldn't speak it anymore. Didn't remember speaking it. I said, come on, come on. You were he said, I don't know the language. But for those two weeks, God used him to speak the gospel and to help lead worship with this group of people. So I believe this is what's happening here. This is supernatural release of uh, the ability to declare the wonders of God in a variety of foreign languages or foreign tongues. So these Jews from all over the world could understand what was being spoken in their native dialect, in their native tongue. I hope that, that makes sense. Now, if you think I'm, I'm wrong on all that, call me later. We'll text back and forth. But anyway, when all the other Jews there, they gathered on that day, they heard all this, they, they were confused. The Bible says the crowd came together in bewilderment, in, in amazement. They were perplexed, it says, because each one heard them speaking in their own native language. And they asked, hey, aren't these guys all from Galilee? I heard Galilee had its own real distinct kind of accent, whatever you want to call it, dialect. He says, but they're all from Galilee. How come we hear them in our own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our native dialect, our native tongue. You think God knew what he was doing? The timing of all this, once again, the timing was right on time for God's purposes. And the Bible lists 15 different regions and nations where the people were from. So 15 different dialects were being spoken at the same time. That's, that's supernatural. That's definitely a move of God. And anytime there's a true move of God, the devil's always going to raise up some skeptics and cynics to try to explain it away. There's always some in every crowd. And sure enough, some of the local wise guys, they made fun of the disciples. And they said, those guys are just drunk. That's what this is. They're drunk. They've been hitting the sauce too much. They've got too much vino in them. That's all this is. This is no big deal. There's nothing to see here. These guys are just drunk. But Peter wasn't having it. You know, Peter always had something to say, whether it was right or not. But this time, he couldn't keep quiet. But this wasn't the old Peter. This wasn't the Peter who was afraid to stand up for Jesus to that young peasant girl that said, you're one of his followers. This was Peter 2.0. This was the new and improved Peter, equipped, empowered by this Holy Spirit outpouring that took place. And he stands up and he preaches this message of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a message of repentance and salvation. And 3,000 people get saved. That's that dynamite power of the Holy Spirit at work. And these Jews would take that message of the gospel back to those 15 or more regions they came from when this festival was over, and they'd be spreading the message even further. Yeah, I think God knows what he's doing. 
Now, I'm not going to get into all of Peter's Pentecost message, but let's look at the first part of what Peter told the crowd that morning. Now, remember, God is in the pouring out business. That's not opening up heaven and, and letting just a little sprinkling or just a few drops to fall. This is a pouring out. Pouring out is an abundance. So, Lord, right now, I pray you open our hearts, open our minds to your word this morning on this Pentecost Sunday morning. Pour your spirit out on us in a new way. We know you already live in us. If we have confessed with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead, that we are saved. So we know you've come to live in us, but we need our own outpouring this morning on this Pentecost Sunday here at Joy. So come, come Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you. All right. Let's look at what Peter 2.0 tells the crowd. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I don't know if 10 or 11 was a more appropriate hour to drink, but nine was definitely not it. So anyway... Next verse, Chris. He says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes from the book of Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants Men and women alike, and they will prophesy. He's going to pour out a spirit on all people, not just a select group of super Christians or, or special people, all people. Next verse, please. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red. We've had some blood moons before, haven't we? That great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be, not hope so, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, the theme of Peter's message on this Pentecost morning isn't Joel's prophecy. The real theme is Christ's resurrection. The real theme is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a message of repentance and salvation. I mean, go back and read the whole sermon Peter preached sometime. Not now, please, but later do that. And not everything in Joel's prophecy happened in Jerusalem on that day. But Peter is saying, this pouring out of my spirit stuff that Joel said, that's what this is. What, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, that's, that's what this is. That's part of his prophecy. He's trying to tell him, this is what's going on here. Now, Peter's not saying the prophecy has been completely fulfilled, but what? He's saying, what you're witnessing right now, this is definitely part of that. Heaven opened up, and God poured out his spirit. Okay, Chris, can we look at verse 16, 17, and 18 again, please? He says, no, what, no, no, no. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams in those days. 
I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Look at that, sons and daughters, young men, old men, servants, women, and men. At this Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was being poured out on everyone, like it says, all people. Men, women, young, old, rich, poor, Jews, Gentiles, it wasn't just a select group. This was a revolutionary thought for first century Jews. Back then, I read a common prayer back then for Jewish men was, thank God I'm a Jew, thank God I'm not a Gentile, thank God I'm not a woman. Sorry, ladies, I didn't write that, but that's what, that's what I read, that, that was a common prayer. But notice the pattern repeated in this passage. I will pour out my spirit, your sons and daughters will prophesy. I'll pour out my spirit, my servants will prophesy. You know, that word prophesy makes some people nervous, even in the church. And years ago, as a, as a brand new Christian, I, it made me a little nervous too. I didn't have any real understanding of what prophecy was. And quite honestly, from what I saw in some of the uh, evangelists and things I read, I thought, wow, that's, I don't know if I want to know about that stuff. Because at the time, I didn't really have any desire to get any understanding of it. But over time, from what I heard, I went to some conferences and seminars, and, and from what I read in God's word, including those words that Peter's quoting from the prophet Joel, and, and from what people whom I really trust shared with me, over time I was getting a better understanding uh, of prophetic revelation and realized God still speaks to his people many different ways, primarily through his word, but he speaks in dreams and visions and promptings and, and impressions, different ways. So he still speaks to us. We just need to be better listeners. Yeah? Bobby and I pray that we'll always be a church that values prophecy here, true prophecy. We want to hear God when he chooses to speak to us in whatever way he chooses to speak. You know, the word, like I said, dreams, visions, promptings, impressions. I hope, I hope you feel the same way. So let's not be nervous or skeptical or cynical or full of doubt or unbelief about prophecy because unbelief dishonors God. Unbelief is expressing the fact we don't really fully trust God. You might be thinking, oh, no, I trust God. It, it's, it's those phonies and kooks out there that I don't trust. Boy, I hear you. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Believe me, there are a lot of phonies out there. There are false prophets giving false prophecies. And some people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. Be careful who you're listening to. There's a lot of weirdos out there. It's always the real nut jobs that get all the publicity, too. But we've lived through a lot of false prophecies, haven't we? I remember one guy in particular. Guy wrote a book about 30 years ago. His name was Edgar Wiesenhunt. He was a rocket engineer for NASA. Smart guy. Then he became a prophecy teacher. And he wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why the World Will End in 1988. <laughs> I guess it was 88 reasons that <laughs> apparently weren't right. So I don't know, what do you do? You write another book? There are 99 reasons why the world will end in 1999. I don't know. But see, we need a discerning spirit because people were quitting their jobs. People were selling off stuff. They said, why bother going to work? The world's going to end in 1988. Man, it messed up a lot of people. It's crazy. We need a discerning spirit. We, we need to know the voice of our good shepherd instead of the voices of some not-so-good shepherds out there, because they're out there. 
So we need discernment. We need wisdom, and, and we need a sensitivity to the voice of God. But let's not be cynical about it. Let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's not on the screen, but in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes, Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. That verse in another translation, I like the way this reads, it says, Don't stifle those who have a word from the Master. Don't stifle those who have a word from the Master. And then he says, On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Don't despise prophecies, the Bible tells us. Test all things. Does it line up with scriptures? If not, throw it out. Keep what is good. Drop what is not good. But don't despise prophecies. I hope that makes sense. Now, let me make this clear. I should have said this earlier. I'm not talking about the office of a prophet. People will talk about the office of, well, if a prophet gives a prophecy and it doesn't come true, you're supposed to take him out and stone him to death. No, I'm not talking about the office of a prophet. I'm talking about the spiritual gift of prophecy, that some people can have a gift of prophecy and not be a true prophet. That sounds like it's a contradiction, but there's a difference. Nothing spooky about the spiritual gift of prophecy, nothing to be afraid of. We need to be wise. Here's the most simple and best definition I've heard for the spiritual gift of prophecy. This is it. It's hearing from God and speaking to people. Sounds simple enough to understand. Hearing from God and speaking to people. But, man, we need to be really, really sure that we've really, really heard from God before we speak to people, right? We shouldn't be saying, thus saith the Lord, when it's really, thus saith Bob. We shouldn't be saying, thus saith the Lord, anyway. Be, be careful around people who talk like that. So the spiritual gift of prophecy is hearing from God and speaking to people. Look what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 1 and 2, this is right after that wonderful 13th chapter on love. He says, follow the way of love. Another translation says, let love be your highest goal. Ah, I like that. Let love be your highest goal. But here in this translation, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So do we eagerly desire spiritual gifts? The Bible says we should. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially which one? The gift of prophecy. Especially the gift of prophecy. Paul goes on, he says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. It's a whole different gift. You know, some people have a prayer language that another person wouldn't understand, but it's communicating with the Holy Spirit. But then Paul tells us why we should especially desire the spiritual gift of prophecy. Look at verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Paul's telling us the purpose of the gift of prophecy is to strengthen people when they're weak and weary. Give them hope when there's nothing but despair and hopelessness. To, uh, to encourage them when they're discouraged, to comfort them when they're in pain. Gift of prophecy is to edify others, to build others up, not tear them down. The Lord wants us to use the gifts of the Spirit to serve others out of real love and compassion for them, not to try to impress people with our 
spiritual giftings. The Lord's much more concerned with us ministering to others. So we've got to stay in tune with Holy Spirit. His voice needs to be the loudest voice we're hearing. We've got to stay in tune so we don't keep missing it when he's trying to whisper our name and, and give us revelation about someone who needs to be ministered to. Or he gives us revelation about a situation that needs some clarity before we take the next step. And sometimes it, it just comes through a, a random thought or, or a feeling. And I know, I know, we can't go by our feelings. But we're emotional people. Sometimes our feelings enter into the process. As long as we don't let our feelings overrule what we know is true. Sometimes our feelings can make the truth kind of fuzzy. Make it a little foggy, a little, a little hard to see. So we don't want our feelings to overrule what we know is true. But sometimes we'll, we'll sense something in our spirit. Or, or we'll get an impression about someone or, or something. And, and we're not sure because it's kind of vague. And we wonder, is that God? I, is that me? Is that last night's burrito? What is that? I'll give you an example. It's been a while. I was in Walmart back when cashiers actually worked at registers, and I was going to pay for some stuff, and it was like I had this impression. The look on this woman's face was heaviness. I could just see, see heaviness. And I had this slight impression you, I should ask her if she needs prayer for anything. Well, I blew it off, paid for my stuff, left. As I'm walking to the car, I'm almost to the car, that impression got a little stronger. And it was like it was saying, you, need, you should have asked that woman if she needed prayer. I mean, who knows? Maybe she's on, on her last rope. Maybe she, you know, is just trying to survive the day. Maybe she just needs a word of hope. Maybe a word of encouragement, right? Strengthen, encourage, and comfort, right? I get in the car, start the car, and I leave Walmart's parking lot. I get to the light, and now this impression comes back a third time. Kind of like God speaking to Eli, the priest, you know, and it took him three times before he caught on. Oh, it's God talking. It's like, go back, ask that woman if she needs prayer. I thought, man, okay, turn around. I go back, park, walk back in the store, walk up to her register. She's waiting on somebody, so I stand, I wait. Um, she's done, and she turns around. She says, you need something? You know, I, I don't think they'll use her as a greeter, but she said, you need something? I said, I was in here just a few minutes ago. Yeah, I remember you. What do you need? I said, well, ma'am, I, uh, I believe I was supposed to ask you if you needed prayer for anything. And she says, no, I'm fine. And she turns around, goes back to her business, just blew me off. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I missed it. But maybe not, you know? Maybe it was just awkward for her. Maybe there was something going on in her life, and, and I, maybe I hit the nail on the head, but she didn't want to talk about it. I don't know. Maybe I missed it completely. Maybe she was fine. But the look on her face told me she wasn't fine. So, yeah, anyway, that, that's, that happens. That happens. And with impressions, we don't always know. Because impressions can be gentle or they can be strong. But they're not usually real specific. That doesn't mean they're not important, though. We shouldn't ignore them. Say, you say you're standing somewhere next to somebody in line and we, you feel sorrow. For some reason, you feel, you're not sad, but you feel sorrow. You feel a heaviness and, and you're not sure why. So we ask the Lord, show us, show us more. You know, give us something more specific, Lord. I mean, don't ever be hesitant to ask the Lord for clarity if something's happening and you don't fully get it. Because he says, call to me and I will answer you. 
And I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. I'll tell you things about that person you're standing next to that you don't know. That's an incredible promise from Jeremiah 33.3. So ask him. Call to him. When you're not sure and you need clarity, but let's keep this in mind. Impressions can be very real and from the Lord, but they can also be influenced by our own feelings or our own assumptions or opinions. But if we approach a person based on an impression we believe is from the Lord and not a personal opinion, don't say, hey, well, thus saith the Lord, you're sad and heavy laden, get over yourself. Don't say something like that. Maybe say, hey, excuse me, um, hey, I was, um, can I ask you something? I was thinking, I was feeling, I'm, I'm sensing, you know, just something if they're willing to listen to you and see what happens. The worst they can do is blow you off, right? But if they say, yeah, go ahead, you may get it right. But you may miss it completely because the Bible tells us that we only know in part and we only prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Perfection hasn't come yet, has it? Now, most theologians believe this verse means when Christ returns, right? He's the only one perfect. So when perfection comes... When he comes, the imperfect disappears. So until then, we only know in part, and we can only prophesy in part. I hope that makes sense. But let's be willing to step out of our, our comfort zone. Let, let's take our focus off ourselves long enough and think of some other people and be willing to share an impression we believe is from the Lord. And Bobby does that every now and then during worship, and she'll go up to someone. She'll share something she believes is from the Lord, but she prays about it first. And she'll go back and forth with the Lord. Are you sure, Lord? Are you sure? And, and sometimes it's like, sometimes she's on the money. And I used to ask her, she'd say, yeah, the Lord gave me a word for someone. So I said, really, what was it? Well, I don't know. It wasn't for you. It was for them. I said, oh. I said, well, okay. Do you even remember? She said, no, I don't even remember it to tell you it was for them if I get a word for you I'll tell you it's okay we can go home now <laughs> so <laughs> I don't ask her anymore <laughs> what, what was it but let's be willing to share any impressions that we believe could be from the Lord but let's not be surprised or discouraged if we sense something and it turns out to be wrong All right let's learn let's learn from the experience let's start practicing you know I always thought practicing was doing something until you got it right, but I heard some guy saying, practicing is doing something until you don't get it wrong. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it, right? It's not about doing it until you get it right. It's about doing it until you don't get it wrong. Anyway, um, let's start practicing. Every new journey begins with a step forward. Some of us may have been operating in the prophetic for years. And some of us may be brand new to it. So we've got to be sensitive to impressions, you know, I thought, wow, where did that thought come from? Or why did I think about that person? I hadn't thought about that person in five years, and it come to mind. It's like, well, don't dismiss that. Maybe God wants to at least pray for that person. Call them, text them. Who knows? Send them a card. Uh, but let's be sensitive to impressions that we get and learn to distinguish between God's impressions and our own feelings and our own opinions. That's how we begin to grow in prophetic revelation. Let's not despise small beginnings, the Bible says. Let's not despise prophecies, the Bible says. Let's test everything. Let's hold fast to what is good and discard what's not. All right. Here's our assignment. 
for this week. Let's ask God to give us his impressions this week, wherever you are, wherever you are. The Bible says you have not, for you ask not, so we're going to ask. And let's be sensitive to any impressions we may get this week, wherever it is. Don't blow it off like I, I did that day in the parking lot. Whether it's at work, whether it's driving, whether it's in Walmart, you know, Walmart is just like a minefield for <laughs> stuff like this. Could be at the mall. Not that there's many people at the mall anymore. Could be at home. Could be on the greenway. Could be in the restaurant. The Lord will give you an impression about the person serving you. You know, it could even be at the park next Sunday. I'm already praying about that. Invite someone to come. Take one of these flyers. They're out there on the table. Share it with somebody. I forgot to say, bring a lawn chair. So tell them to bring a lunch here, a blanket. But I've already invited some people from Calhoun, Charleston. I invited the mayor, Charleston's mayor, and she responded favorably. So hopefully we'll see him, a couple people. But take some flyers, give them out. Uh, who knows? Who knows who might drop in? Who knows what God may be already planning for us, for this group of people, going to meet it in the park next Sunday. Somebody might drive by, oh, what in the world's this? You know, we'll stop in and get a free hot dog. But let's be ready to share the love of Jesus with them, okay? You know, a lot of people these days are feeling beat down, feeling dis discouraged, broken, hurting. And God put us here to help one another. So remember, the spiritual gift of prophecy is this. We're hearing from God so we can speak to people. And remember, we do it not to toot our own heart. We do it to strengthen them. We do it to encourage them. We do it to comfort them. So let's pray for them. Let's ask the Lord, show us this week someone we can encourage, somebody we can offer some hope and strength and a word of comfort from the Lord, okay? Remember, next Sunday, don't come here. Charleston Park, sign up to bring something if you haven't already. Bring someone with you. Please stand with me. We'll have a prayer, and then we can get out of here. Lord, you're so good to us, and you're so patient with us, and yet we're so impatient with you and impatient with each other. We don't want to wait, Lord, and yet you told the disciples, wait, wait. You only screw it up if you don't wait. Sure enough, they waited, and boom, you turned the world upside down. So give us uh, wisdom and be more patient with you, especially you, because you're so patient with us. And we pray a special blessing over our time next Sunday that at the park that, that you'll give us favorable weather. It'll be a nice, cool morning like this morning, It'll, and, and the sun will be out, and, and you know um, we'll have time of worship and prayer, a short message, and then we'll just have a good meal together, and hopefully there'll be joy and laughter, and people from the community will come and, and join in with us. You, know. uh, you created us for community, and it's area is so spread out it's hard to get to know people so bring us bring us some people and bring our own people let our own people get motivated to to show up and come and and uh, let's have a good time together and let it all be in a way that honors your name because that's what this is about it's not about any one of us it's not about any one church it's about you let your kingdom come let your will be done in charleston park next sunday as it is in heaven amen Amen.